Hi, I'm Stacy Middlebrooks, Inner Power Priestess and Purpose Igniter, best-selling author and soon-to-be PhD. I left a successful corporate career in global HR and global DEI after 25 years to step into the fullness of my purpose and amplify my impact in the world. Now, I use my experience, education, and expertise to help Wayshower women create a life beyond their dreams by moving them from fear to freedom so they can step into the fullness of their gifts without compromising who they are or their standards. And hello, I am Jill Hyman, dream life embodiment guide and best-selling author. I am a sacred activator of dreams, helping you alchemize your vision into reality. I flirt with life by living in the both and believing you can have it all. As a former collegiate athlete and having spent nearly 20 years in corporate sales, the doing became an easy routine. This is why I now guide powerhouse women to flow from overdrive into purpose-driven. Together, we will bring calm guidance to integrate your spiritual, professional, and personal journey. We help you anchor into what is yours to be and do in this lifetime. You can count on us to engage in raw conversation about our real, authentic experiences. Together, we are the bridge between worlds and beyond barriers. We are taking you on an intuitive journey guided by our higher selves. We'll also be sitting down with some really epic humans, luminaries, who will enlighten us all still is your portal to deepen the integration of you. Thank you for being here. Now let's flow into today's show. Hello. We're readjusting in our seats. Mm. Welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. We are pretty jazzed pretty jazzed today because we have our first jazzed. guest. We have our, you like it, jazzed. We're pretty excited because Tracy Harward is here with us today. You all, our very first guest, we knew it would be her before still was even birthed to the world. So it's always beautiful to see these kinds of visions come to life. Tracy is our, Stacy and I's mentor. She's been our teacher she is a genius, beautiful creator of the work you hear us talk about all the time, which is Ishtara. So welcome in. Welcome in, oh, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Oh, so glad welcome. you're here with us. Oh, what a wonderful, here. wonderful thing. <laughs> so we were chatting before we went live, as we do sometimes, Um and we're, chat, we're we're talking on all the things still. So a lot of you out there know still was birthed from Stacy and I's name, like ST. The I is like, we're, it's the bridge, the lighthouse, the LL for my name. Still can mean a lot of things. It can mean sitting in silence. It could also mean remembering, like you are still powerful. You are still so wise, despite whatever has happened in your life. So Tracy, we're wondering, what does still mean for you right now, where you are in your life? Well, still also to me can mean a lot of things. And when you ask me that question, what it reminds me of is what we're going to talk about today, which is alchemy. So, mm. 
you know, it's a little bit of what you both said. It's these things have happened in my life that were hurtful and hard and still there is love and still there is possibility and still, and to me, it's the, it's the yes. And Mm -hmm. that's still, instead of it's in addition to together, these things are our life. We can be sad and we can be joyful. We can go through loss and we can have a really sacred moment. So it's, it's the still and still life is beautiful and there's love. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I I'm feeling so touched by what you're sharing, Tracy, for lots of reasons. But first, because this is the thing we talk about with our listeners a lot is the both and the yes. And it's not like, oh, I'm damaged and I'm broken. And that's just it. Or I'm ecstatic and joyful. And that's just it. It's the full spectrum of the human experience and knowing how to walk it feeling really safe and fully confident that you know how to walk it. And so you don't have to be afraid of the human experience. So I love how you're describing this alchemy with still, I want to, you know, I just want to dive right into alchemy and all of that. But first um, I'm sure everyone is curious because we have talked about you and we have talked about the Ishtar work uh, over and over and over again with our listeners And so I'm curious, and I'm sure they're all curious, like, where did this even come from? What is Ishara and where did this come from for you? Yeah, well, (laughs) where do I start? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Um, Where it came from for me was, I'll just talk about my personal story. Um, So it started for me, and this connects into this idea of still that in my childhood, there were some really difficult things that happened. So from ages seven to 15, I experienced a lot of childhood trauma. So I'm on the extreme end of that. That caused me to do a lot of seeking and trying to find ways to help myself to heal parts of me that were still stuck in patterns I was repeating because of what I went through. And what I found was I spent 20 years trying all the things I tried and therapy. I did all the self-help. I did retreats. I did meditation. I was deep into spirituality and I loved all of those things. I grew from all of those things, but there was something and they were the things that were the most important to me that still, still were not changing. Um, And so then Um, What I realized is I was trying to get rid of things. I was trying to fix something in me that was broken. Um, And that really wasn't working. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the way I ended up finding what became Ishtara was I started, instead of trying to change things in me so I could make things different outside of me, I decided to just go towards myself to look for what are the ways that I can just feel the way I want to feel from myself. And then, by the way, that made me wonder, where did I lose that way of living and feeling? Where did I lose my passion? And that led me on a journey where I was looking for a way to express myself through movement. 
I found a retreat that was teaching movement as a form of medicine, as a healing art. And I went to that retreat and I learned a practice called moving meditation. And so what moving meditation is, is it's a way of following our body by listening and flowing and sensation and moving in our emotions. And it's just really about going instead of without, just going within and being able to allow ourselves to move from that place. And what happened was I came home, there weren't any classes. So I just kept following myself in this moving meditation. And what happened was I gained this whole new world of being able to listen to all the things that I've been trying to fix before, simply as sensation, as parts of my nervous system. And it's a long story that you know about how all that came to be, this practice called Ishtara. But the short story is just by simply learning to listen to and follow my body and learning from the wisdom of my body, I found a whole new way to bring love to myself, to release things that were stored from my past, to rewrite patterns that were in my nervous system and just to get to the root of everything. And that was the solution for me. So yeah, so I'll credit my body <laughs> and yes, we, practice we maybe meditation for, um, for all the things that came after. Yeah. We credit your beautiful body for sure. <laughs> um, Mm, this is a masterclass, y'all. I feel like I'm like leaning I know, in, taking I know. notes. <laughs> I'm curious about these, the pieces in your life that matter most to you, which I'm aware of, like Stacey and I are aware of, but maybe for our listeners, because I think these are things that, that matter a lot to me too, for sure. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you could open up, like, what are those pieces? And I know like the repetitive patterns that kept just being on a record repeat of like finally going down and getting to the root of it. Cause it's not an easy feat. Um, so open, let's open that doorway. A little yeah, bit. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, because it's true that there are a lot of things that um, we, you know, whether it's through therapy or tools that we learn in self-help, there's a lot of things I think that we can um, improve and become stronger and better and, and feel better um, that, that we can do through those techniques. But for me, what was happening is the result of the childhood I had is my particular pattern was showing up in the area of relationships, in my sense of belonging, a really big time, you know, something I think a lot of people could relate to. I was really noticing it in my dating life, though I would say this pattern also extended into other forms of relationship, though I had friends. It was just that not ever feeling like I truly belonged. And also not really feeling like I truly belong to myself, like not really remembering my passion or living from a place of authenticity, not even knowing what that would be. The driver that got me to do all the seeking, like these things do, was my romantic relationship patterns. And what I was doing was I so deeply desired to have that kind of love in my life. And no matter who I dated, no matter how much therapy, no, no matter how many books I read, no matter how much weight I lost or what I wore, how I showed up, I would end up person after person 
being in a relationship with people who were unavailable or who would ultimately decide to leave. And it was breathtaking, this pattern. Um, and this is the, and still the beauty of it <laughs> is that it really kept guiding me to look more deeply and more deeply until I really turned towards myself for what I was looking for in somebody else. But that was the pattern. There's patterns that, um, that show up in people that tend to be in love. They tend to be in money. They tend to be in our sense of our own power or our worth, because it turns out there's actually a body for those things. So those types of patterns they come from a way that our nervous system is holding stories from our past and then how below our conscious mind, we just show up in ways we think, feel, act and behave in ways that recreate that pattern, that repetition in our life. So that those are the types of patterns that when I found the body as the way to heal them, now things started to change. Mm. I mean, I'm just wow. going to raise my hand on the relationship one because. <laughs> A lot of y'all know my journey, but that is, yeah, I found Ishara at a time when I was heartbroken on the floor. Tracy, you know, you know, leave exited a emotionally abusive relationship. And the pattern I kept seeing was finding myself in relationships with very unsecure men. So then their attachment in the relationship was not one that was healthy. And then causing me my pattern and how my body runs that one to be like pushing away, defending anger, like lashing out because to go back to what you're saying, like these parts of me were not owned. I was trying to get rid of them. And I think that's a key piece. And Stacy, mm -hmm. I know you have so much, it's like for you all that are out there listening, this is the differ differentiator for me is like Ishtara is not a method to push away, get rid of, expel, like be gone. <laughs> no, this is a, we welcome this part. That's just really showing up in a way that we don't love right now because she doesn't know, or this part of you, I say she, cause my body's a she, but that she doesn't know how to respond to. And Stacy, I know this is like for sure in your own avenue. <laughs> yeah. She this is like on my avenue, up my driveway, way up in the house. It's for real, for real. And yeah, I know mine, I didn't know this at the time when I started my Ishtara practice, but Ishtara showed me very clearly that I had not really healed in the way that I thought I had with the whole idea of belonging. And Coming from the space where I come from, being born into a female sex body, being wrapped in this black skin, belonging was always a thing. Where do you belong? How do you belong? Right. And you learn different ways to create that sense of belonging. And the ways that I learned, that I have now learned to unlearn, the ways that I learned were people pleasing, fawning, accommodating, or complete flight. Like, oh, this is not where I belong. I'm out. Like, I don't even want to stick around to, to see what might happen because I'm too afraid of what might happen. I get to go just vacate, vacating my body, vacating my persona, because sometimes you can't physically go. You have to be there, particularly like in my corporate experiences or in some relationships. Yeah, I'm physically here, but whew, I'm not here. 
I'm not here. That's a highly compartmentalized life that will take its toll on you in the worst ways. Use me as a cautionary tale. (laughs) Like, don't do it, right? This is why I love, Tracy, how you're saying, and, and Jill, you're highlighting, this is not about like, oh, I'm broken. I need to go get fixed. Like healing doesn't mean fixed because you're not broken. Those parts of you have just been forgotten or those needs just haven't been met, like all those things, right? And with Ishtara, Tracy, what you've given to the world in this work through moving meditation and your particular way of doing it um, is the idea that there's no part of me that is unlovable. Even that part that felt broken and needed to be fixed, she requires love. She is worthy of love. Oh, it makes my heart melt. That's where I realized it's not just, oh, I've got to heal my inner child. Y'all, I got a whole orphanage in there. When that inner child got healed, she was like, let me introduce you to this 12-year-old who is pissed with you. Let me introduce you to this 17-year-old who's like, you did this to us. (laughs) And they deserve and are worthy of love. They're not broken. Something happened to them and they just learned how to cope and how to deal in ways that weren't healthy. Mm. We get to go in and change that. And so Tracy, like the, the, there's so much beauty in everything you create, but one of the, I think, biggest beautiful things about the Ishtara work is your proprietary methodology in moving meditation of the alchemy. And you mentioned this word earlier. Can you talk to, I mean, we know, but can you talk to other people who may not be clear, just one, what an alchemy even is and why it's important. And then how this comes together with Ishtara. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for what you just shared. And I thought you said all of that so beautifully and powerfully. And mm-hmm. I I also want to highlight how, when you were talking about your inner child and then, oh, and then there's a teenager and there's a, the, the, the sense of love you have for yourself, I think could be really felt because you didn't speak about those parts of yourself as problems. You spoke about those parts of yourself with a smile on your face and some sassiness and some playfulness. And so that's the first part of belonging is when we first start by belonging to ourselves. And a lot of the Mm. ways that we lose our belonging is because then we, we, where we lost our belonging is to our body self. And so to come to your question about alchemy, as it relates to loving all parts of ourselves, I imagine that people listening, because I know I was one of these people might be saying, I get it. That sounds amazing. I would love to love all parts of myself. I understand it, but how do I do it? And so the way that I learned to do it was not to do it as an idea and not to do it as an intention or a mindset, but rather to do it in a way that my body can feel. And so what happens is, is put simply, love is the alchemy. The reason we have parts of ourselves that we might be trying to fix or get rid of or change or improve is because these are parts of us that feel unlovable. And the ways that we seek out the things that we desire in our patterns that show up are our attempts to resolve 
that unlovability. So since those parts of us are really, if we want to take the story away from them and just, they're just patterns in our nervous system. They're just places in our past where we went to be who we are and we weren't protected or we weren't safe or we weren't seen or we weren't celebrated or we weren't loved. And those parts of us, which are just patterns in our nervous system are running, trying to get that need met. So alchemy is, and how Ishara is different is we allow ourselves to move in a way we can feel these parts of ourselves. We let the sadness express. We let the anger express. We let the needs express through movement in a way our body can feel because that's the only way our body can understand it. And then we do a second piece where we intentionally bring love to our body through breath, through touch, through loving music, through open-heartedness, through comfort, through any way that our body can feel. And the nervous system, the body registers that as that need, that deep need for love, my deep need to belong just got met. And it doesn't have to be met by anything outside of us. And so that may sound like wild, but what I learned was that if you can just do that for the body, because the body doesn't have the story, the body doesn't have the time to the body. It's like, it's like you're back there with that inner child. You're back there with that inner teenager. And this time she's getting seen. This time she's getting loved. This time she can speak her mind and she still belongs. We can do those things in our body with movement and music and with each other. And it's really deeply and rapidly healing. Mm. And all of this, once you learn the practice, can be accomplished <laughs> in 15 minutes or less. <laughs> like one of those, it's like one of those fun little infomercials. <laughs> oh, I know it seems so it's, wild. <laughs> it is wild. And oh. I I just it's like wild in the most magnificent way. I also you know there's like so many layers. And and my experience of this work was like once we uncover one layer, because you mentioned anger gets to have like a place. Anger's I know anger very well. So when I first started Ishtara, there's well, the other thing I want to also include here, because I'm going to segue into a question around like those of us, I include me, that live and have lived from the brain. Our brains are so beautiful of like needing knowledge. I need to have all the things and tell me all of it. So then I can make this decision from my brain. Um, I'm going to segue into that after, after this, what I'm sharing, but it's like, there's so many layers. And when we can meet the anger for me, I'm going to share for me underneath the anger was a whole hell of a lot of sadness, but I could not access that sadness until the anger knew that I loved her knew that she wasn't being banished because as a child, I would throw tantrums as a child. I was very loud and like, just see me, hear me. I will be seen. And that sort of anger for all the times I wasn't seen or heard or recognized. And then came the sadness, then came the loneliness. And then underneath that is then the layer of like fear and shame, which is the journey now that I'm sitting at is this place of fear and shame. And um, so with each of these layers, I'd love for you to talk 
to the brain for those <laughs> out there, because I think Ishtara, like inside of this work, you've done such a good job of labeling. We give labels, mm-hmm. we give, you know, there's protectresses, there are liberators, there's then the creatrix, which is the essence of who our true self is. And that I think is really powerful for the brain to then be like, oh, this part or that Mm -hmm. part. So I'll kind of let you take it from there, but. Oh, (laughs) there's so much. There's so much to say about that. (laughs) See, Where do we start? Um, I'll, I'll see if I can pick up the thread um, that you so beautifully laid, laid out, which is again, um, probably at the core of all those things you just beautifully shared, Jill, is again, that those parts of us, um, the desire to be loved and to be exactly loved exactly as we are and who we are and which is that journey of authenticity. And we, along the way, um, can lose parts of our authentic selves because whether it's in our families or in society, there's almost a daily um, pressure to trade our belonging for a pseudo belonging, which is fitting in. And I will credit beautiful Brene Brown with her work on belonging for that, that um, yeah, the opposite of belonging is fitting in. So as we, as we go, so now I lost my train of thought. Yeah, well, no, we're going down. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so it's happening. I I just picked it up again. So back to, to come back to what you asked me. Um, So we are restoring love and belonging at every layer, beautiful layer by layer. And what we start with again, is we start with um, bringing love and relating to our body, not as a thing, but as a being. Because only if we relate to the beingness of things, can we really bring love to those things. Love like we do with other people where there's grace and we meet needs and we spend time and we're forgiving, right? So we, we, in Ishtara, we go on this journey to reframe and recreate our relationship to all parts of ourselves. So it starts with our body. And then the next part it starts with is our emotions because our emotions are also things that we try to get rid of um, and fix. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to feel sad. And you named a really big one. We don't want to feel shame or we don't want to feel fear. In Ishtara, we build a relationship with emotions as a language coming from our body. There's a beingness to, to emotions. They have messages and they have gifts. And then as we move along to the part that you were mentioning, then come our pattern ways of defending and coping our reactions, our triggers. When we, you know, when someone does something we don't like, what's our go-to? Do we avoid? Do we check out? Do we freeze? So those are also parts of us that in our seeking, sometimes we're trying to get rid of. If I would just not freeze up when I've got to ask for the raise, if I would just quit slamming the door and avoiding relationship when I get scared, if I would just stop resisting being visible because I feel so much shame, blah, blah, blah. I found that as I tried to approach those things as problems and trying to get rid of them, they actually got stronger. So for naming things, what we do in Ishtara is we create a relationship 
to those things too. So our defenses that we have, which are also in our body and our nervous system, in Ishtara, we call those our protectress. And so we have different protectresses that represent pattern ways that people typically defend and at their core, they come from fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. But what we do in Ishtara is we name them so that we can love them, so we can know them. We learn to feel them. How do they move in our body? We learn what they're asking for because we can feel what the need is. We meet the need and those parts of us, we don't get rid of. We actually create an alchemy where they become actually some of our most powerful allies. I don't know if that makes sense. That's alchemy. That's the deeper dive. And so, by the way, it's really fun and can be a little (laughs) I mean, I think it's way more fun to to work on my ways that I defend myself (laughs) as named juicy parts of me who have music Mm -hmm. and ways of moving and breathing. And I get to do that with women who love it and celebrate it so that, you know, great. You want to see the part of me who gets angry? Yes. Give me more. Um, and we love it. It's, it's, to me, it's the best, you know, the best, most pleasurable way to heal. And and it really actually works. Ah, I love hearing that. It reminds me so much of another potent piece of this work, which is in witnessing and in being witnessed. And I know, and I've said this to you, Tracy, a million times, like this was different for me. Like this was so different for me. I used to shy away from group work in my brain. The story she had negotiated with me was that we don't need group work. Like everybody's story is different. You don't need time to be in somebody else's stuff. Like just get the one-on-one because you want the work to work for you. Like just do that, right? This way that you've created the container, um, the safety is impeccable. It is it is unflawed. It is impeccable. And that means that the power of the witnessing can actually reach every single being in the room. And for me, that was new. That was something I thought was completely impossible. And even when I talked to some people about it before I stepped in, yeah, I mean, honestly speaking, I got the stuff like that's BS. Like it's going to be another woo woo. Everybody sit around like you're amazing kind of thing. And that's it. A cry fest for women or even, yeah, on another side, it was like, quite honestly, and I mean, no offense to anyone, but this is the reality. It was like, that's some white girl stuff. Like we don't do that. (laughs) Like you want to sit around in a circle and talk about your feelings. Like, look, I don't have time for all of that. Like I I have to just show up and be, I don't have time to process emotions. Yeah. That's a privilege that I don't carry. So no. And giving myself that privilege and being in this work, that witnessing was what unlocked it all because I stepped in with like, yeah, I can own my sadness. I'm ashamed of it, but okay. (laughs) It's easy for me to access. Like Jill said, it's easy for me to, like, anger, got her. Like, yeah, come on, let's go. Sadness was really easy for me to access. It was so very present. And even though I was in denial, it was so very present for me to meet. 
under that, that anger and that like, oh, hell no. Like that part, not easy for me to access because conditioning and programming and people pleasing had taught me that you don't show that, especially as a black woman, you cannot show up as an angry black woman. You cannot show up and, and be defiant. Like you cannot, you cannot, it's not safe. The witnessing in Ishtara made it safe for me to show that and to access it in ways that I had never accessed it before and to have that witnessed and reflected back to me as, uh-huh, and give me more. It's like, what? Give you more? <laughs> All these layers of things. And then as you're giving more, the witnessing, because you and others in the room can potentially see things that maybe I can't see because I'm not watching That's my body move, right? It's that witnessing, you get to see that and get you get the value of someone seeing you maybe even before you can see you. And so the witnessing power is so potent and it brings out the potential that's in you in a way that other methodologies just have not for me personally. And I know for many other women. So I'd love one to credit you with the way that you've set up the witnessing um, and to Jill's point about the emotions being layered, and then here's the alchemy, and then we meet all those pieces. I'm curious for you with this witnessing piece, and you and I have talked about this, this is mostly for our listeners and viewers, for women who have lived a life where they were unseen, not witnessed, not valued, or undervalued, um, how does this work speak to that part of them to call them forward? And particularly, yes, for all women, um, all beings, but particularly if you are wrapped in skin like I'm wrapped in or wrapped in brown skin or other skin, largely unseen accurately in the world. I said a lot. I'm going to pause because I know you have beautiful thoughts on this. Well, what you're saying is pure gold and really brave. So first of all, thank you. Yeah. And I'm really, I love seeing you in all your flavors. <laughs> she, got, she got the flavors. Oh, she good. Coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and to come back to what you shared. So the part of you that so rightfully um, is absolutely allowed to feel angry and to show anger. That is one of our core body emotions that is important for our survival and for thriving that has so many gifts in it the reason you wouldn't be able to express that part of you is because something happened in the past where you did that and the result was you lost some of your belonging and it and you learned from that that it wasn't safe or it wasn't allowed or if i do this i won't have friends or my family will be upset with me so that part of our body, we have our emotional body, and then we talked about our survival body that does the coping and defending and the reacting and all of that. We have another part of our body I call the relational body. You know it as the attachment system. It's our body for belonging. Literally, that is the body for belonging. That is the deepest, most powerful um, body that we have, nervous system that we have as human beings. Because without our belonging, we are creatures that 
without caregiving over years, we don't survive. So we're very, very driven as part of our system to make sure that we are staying in line with things that keep our belongings safe. So what happened for me was I was able to heal a lot, almost everything in my emotional body and my survival body with movement. I'm going to pass the credit along. It was my teacher. Her name is Kristen Dalton. She's a genius. And she said to me along my journey, Tracy, there are some wounds that won't heal if you don't heal them in relationship to other people. Wounds that happened in relationship only heal in a new and safe experience of relationship. And I, like you were saying at that time, I'm like, first of all, I have no idea what you mean about safety. And second of all, I am really afraid to be in groups of women because I've had really bad experiences where the opposite has happened, where I've only become, I belong less and I got hurt. And what she did is she took me into a process that she uses with groups of women and it was through her that I learned what true safety is. She mm-hmm. created emotional and relational safety that then allowed for parts of me that would are so wise, our bodies are so wise, would not come up unless my body could sense it was emotionally safe. And then when those parts came up, sort of like redoing the past, it's like for you, Stacey, like, okay, this time I'm going to go ahead. I feel safe enough. I'm going to show my anger. And this time in relationship to other people, this time we're loved, this time we're seen, this time we're celebrated. That is needed for some of what we have going on in our body to reset. It it just needs to happen together. But to happen together, like you said, it has to happen in a certain kind of relational safety. And and so she lets me um, use her process for working with groups. And that became part of the recipe of Ishtara blended with the movement that um, we created that we call alchemy. And I, I think that those two things together are, are just so wonderful. I just really think that (laughs) they work for me. They seem to work for other people. I think it's the secret (laughs) sauce. We love Kristen. We, uh, we conjured her at our teacher graduation ceremony. You might want to have her on. Have her on. Yes, I would have her on. (laughs) She's great. Love it. So I want to share with all of you. You might be out there listening. If you're tuning in on YouTube, um, you're probably like, okay, group work. Group work means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So Mm -hmm. the practice that is Ishara is held with no more than six people inside of it. So I I want to, I think that's important to share if maybe you've been thinking about this because we've literally mentioned it on almost every show, but you can go to ishtarabody.com. Um, it's I S H T A R a body.com. We like these little throwouts, but just know like this is, you know, we're going in and giving you a lot of like the, like the bones of the infrastructure of this gorgeous creation that Tracy has just so bravely you have launched into the world. And I really, I'd love to talk a little bit about safety um, because Stacy and I can both attest going through the teacher. We're, we're now both licensed teachers of this work. And it was such an amazing, epic piece. I thought the depth that we went in 
um, to be able to teach in our bodies. We have to land safety in our bodies to then hold safety for others. And I'm just like, when we say safety, I think it could be such a foreign concept for some of those out there listening that it might be even hard to understand. Um, I mean, I know it's scary. It's scary regardless. If you're like, yes, I know this would be for me. I am feeling called, but like, how can I even be safe if I've never even ever felt safe? And I know Stacy touched on this a little bit, but like, how do we do that? Like, what is the recipe of safety of that, that you've now indoctrinated and all of us licensed teachers. So you can for sure know if you show up to a class that it will be this way with any teacher that you touch? Yeah, wonderful question. And I also had to learn what safety meant. I certainly didn't have safety in my life. And then I'm the type of person who's resilient. So when I would go on any sort of um, retreats or join programs, I'm jumping into the deep end where there's no safety and you know sink or swim kind of thing was what I was used to doing. And I didn't realize that that was actually... I saw that as a brave part of me, but it was actually limiting parts of my growth because like I said, parts of me wouldn't come up unless they were safe. So safety, um, I want to define as, uh, so when you come into an Ishtar class, we're going to call that, people have heard this word, container. Um, container is a space that has clear boundaries in which you can do your healing. Your body is also a kind of container. So we want your body to be a safe place for you to feel your emotions, right? And to stay um, and to stay safe in your in the energy that you're feeling in yourself. So the way that we um, simply look at safety at Ishtara is safety just means knowing what we can count on. So safety is knowing what we can count on from ourselves and other people. So in Ishtara, in our containers, we start with, um, first of all, that you can count on the teacher. Um, the teacher is going to show up on time and always be there and show up in a way that is loving and accepting of all parts of you. Um, because your teachers, you know, you've spent a lot of time, years even, doing your own work and preparing yourself to be able to be a safe place for people to do their work where you're not there to fix them. You're not there to change them. And you're certainly not going to take anything personally. You're just there to share, which is the other part of safety from your own lived experience. So teachers like you and Ishtara, which I really am grateful for and have lived the practices they teach, have lived these transformations in their own selves. So having teachers that speak from lived experience rather than something that they read in a book and now they're teaching it to others or coming from the frame of I'm trying to fix or change. So we we learn how to we learn how to set that up. We make some simple but really important agreements as a class. We keep the class size small so that we can be trauma informed and make sure that that form of safety is there too. Um, when you're working in the body, it doesn't matter any type of embodiment, trauma lives in the body that can arise. And so if it's certain ways of working in the body, sometimes large groups are just not safe because someone could be having a moment and need some support getting regulated and they can't be seen because there's a hundred people on the Zoom or whatever it is. So we keep, that's another way that we keep safety. Hmm. I love it. I just thought that was an important piece. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is. It's so oh. important. I'm so glad you asked that question, Jill. And, and Tracy, your explanation of it, of course, is perfect. And I keep thinking of like me hearing safety in this kind of way um, when I first started in my mm, embodiment journey, like putting myself back into my body. And I had been in lots of other things and the word was there and it was really important. And there were lots of times where I just didn't feel safe. I couldn't explain it. I just knew like, uh, this it doesn't feel safe enough for me to really share or for me to really get to all those layers or to bring safety to my body so that those parts could come up for whatever I was there to get, right? And it was this Ishara work, the way that you create it, um, that really does allow for the safety. And I can say even in training, teacher training, and I'm sure Jill, you had this too, there were some people in my beta teaching classes where safety was a question for them, like a big question. And especially with me learning to be a teacher, like, are you safe yet? <laughs> like, you, you're not certified yet. <laughs> Do you know what you're doing kind of thing? And to watch them move through, like just following what we were taught and following what's the lived experience that I've had. And I'm sure that Jill's had, you're like, oh, it does work. It does work. And it didn't matter like what walk of life any of these, my mine was a class of women, but any of these women came from, it didn't matter their age range. It didn't matter their race, ethnicity, creed, their geographic location, trauma or no trauma. Like none of that mattered in terms of how it affected safety, the way that you've created it. It is just safety. Safety just is. It just is in the way that you've created it. And I think that's so important to bring to people, especially if they're new to any of this kind of work, because our hope is that people who have never heard of any of this kind of work don't know what embodiment is. No, I haven't gone to therapy or counseling. Like, I don't even know, but I know I need something is that they can find it very approachable. And so I love that the way that you've explained it makes it that approachable for them. But also the way that it's done means that safety is guaranteed. It's just guaranteed. Like it's a non-negotiable and you can rest assured that that's something, if there's nothing else that you can hang your hat on and remember about this Ishtara work, this is it. It is going to be safe, hands down, going to be safe. So I really appreciate you explaining it that way. Um, I personally have lots of people and lots of populations of people who would never approach this work. They just wouldn't, you know, and a lot of them look like me. So this is, you important. know, Stacy, what I think it is, is Tracy, the space that you give for permission. Like, so you ask yeah. nothing is ever. I yeah. remember very early on one of my first classes one of the songs that's the frequency of sadness came on. I literally could not move because I couldn't access. I couldn't access her. I literally, and Tracy's words, your words were, and if, if you cannot move, just sit there and listen to the song or turn the song off. I had to turn the song off 
It was Mm -hmm. so jarring for me. I literally paused the music and just sat and was able to just witness and hold space for the other women. I think that's a big piece of like the Mm -hmm. permission to be where you are with the journey of the emotion. And that's the, that's it. Like, no, it is okay. This is what this part of you needs right now is possibly just sitting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Um, that really is the perfect way to describe it because it occurs to me that when we say safe, what I can promise is that we as teachers will love and support and be available for whatever is arising. What I can't promise is that somebody won't be bumping up against their own story of when they feel unsafe or in what communities or in a particular emotion But what we do that creates the safety is give permission that someone could say, I I'm really feeling um, challenged right now. I'm not, this is an area where I tend to not feel safe. Um, I feel really scared to be sharing something vulnerable with women. I feel really unsafe right now to feel my sadness and that's allowed instead of rejected. And then we can meet that part of us and we can find ways to create safety in that way. So I guess that it's like, yeah, we can mm-hmm. be, uh, we can be both safe and processing an area of ourselves where we don't feel safe. And that's where I think you're absolutely I'm hearing right. edge. It's Shit. like, it's safe to be at yeah. our edge of yeah. like, you yeah. can just sit there. You can just, yeah, we'll be here for you. Oh, yeah. Stay on your edge. Exactly. Yeah. I love that word. And what what's unsafe is if people are in a situation where they can't speak honestly and openly about where they are, or the teacher is not able to recognize when someone is getting way past an edge. Because if we're way outside it, you know, if we're too far outside of an edge, then we're unsafe. We're unsafe on our own nervous system, our own body, and therefore we can't heal. So all of those things, yeah, safety is a, it's a dance for sure. <laughs> really important. It's a big dance. Oh, Oh, I feel like we can keep going. I feel like I know. I we're know. Coming, I know. We're coming to that part of the uh, episode today. <laughs> Is there anything on your heart, like Stacy? Any any final pieces? I mean, we could like ooze and gush over you like forever, uh, Tracy. You're For just sure. genius, creatrix of creatrix, and to the women and the people and all the beings that you've called into your life uh to be the support to get this ishtara to now offering to millions and millions of people um we just applaud i think a good applaud is always nice <laughs> yeah any final yes, words yes. anything else tracy like we covered so much um we're just so grateful for your time um being with us today Thank you so much. I I would like to share um, in in response. Thank you for, I receive your love and your recognition of the part that I'm playing to um, share this with other people. Um, It's really important to me to say that the real genius is the body. And that is where my heart is. Um, What I was able to learn from my own body is has been life-changing for me and what ishara really is is a way to teach you to follow your body and what genius she has for you 
So it's, it's a deep belief I have that ultimately, if you can listen to and follow your body, your body's your teacher, your body is a genius, your body is an oracle, your body knows all the things you need to know. And what I love about that is because each and every one of us, like Stacy, you shared your personal stories and Jill, you shared yours and you have different stories and you came to each star with different things. And so we can come here with anything and because it's your body and it's your journey, if you can follow your body, you can, each person can get what they uniquely need. Um, so, so what's in common, what we share is that um, we have, so much waiting for us in our body. And if we can learn to listen and follow, I like to call her a her, <laughs> then that's where everything's possible. So I really wanted to share that to um, make sure people are invited into that their body is their teacher. And if Ishtara can help teach them to listen to their true teacher, that's that's what I would want. Mm, beautifully said beautifully said. And I know it's so heartfelt. Thank you. Tracy, we're so excited to have you here today. And we're so excited. You are a first, first guest, um, which we knew our bodies knew <laughs> long before our brains knew that uh, whatever this was that we were going to create, that you had to be first. Um, so thank you for initiating us in this way and being our first guest. No, thank you for initiating me and accepting me to be your guest. It is such an honor and a pleasure. I just love you both so much. I love what you're up to. Um, and I love the difference that you're making. And it's really, really so generous. Thank you for having me. Mm. Y'all keep being still and whatever it means to you until next time love you what an honor it was to spend time with you today we want to hear from you let us know in the comments what topic you desire us to chat on next if you want more still in your life head to stilloriginalpodcast.com if you'd like to see the full video episode, check out our YouTube community at Still Original Podcast. And we would be so grateful for you to share this episode with someone you know it may serve. We will see you next week, same time, same place, and always still. We are powerful. We are magical. We are, yes, we are still. We are powerful and magical. We can be still.